Biologic is Biological Medicine's Digital Roundtable, brought to you by the doctors at Biologic Center for Optimum Health. Join us as we discuss the intrinsic logic of the body, as well as practical steps you can take to see and feel a real difference in your own. All right. Welcome, everybody. We're going to be talking about TH2 dominance and how we can bring about balance to our immune system. So what are we going to be talking about today? We're going to be talking about TH1 and TH2. Some of you guys may have heard of this. Some of this may be new to some of you guys, but we're going to be talking about what happens uh, in those different parts of the immune system and then how, uh, how do they get out of balance. We're also going to be talking about examples of TH1 dominance versus TH2 dominance and then how, what are some strategies to bring back that balance. Before I do get started though, I want to help clarify something, give you a little preface. Understand that this is still considered a theory, the idea of dominance, all right? So though this has been researched extensively, this concept of one being dominant versus the other creating these symptom problems is still under investigation. But what I'd like to do is present to you an idea or a concept of what may be creating some outstanding illnesses or what may be keeping people from getting better that are dealing with chronic illnesses. So where do we find ourselves? Many of us, especially those that come here, find ourselves in a situation where we're dealing with bugs, these chronic bugs, we're dealing with chronic infections. We have these unrelenting symptoms that never seem to get better. We're also dealing with these, this, what we call an allostatic load of stressors. We have all these stressors that are affecting us. We have emotional triggers, we have toxins, we have uh, bugs like fungus and mold and things like uh, bacteria uh, that are weighing our system down. And one of the strategies we have here at Biologics is to really unload that burden and to help the body get back to uh, defending itself and, and working as it was designed to work. We also have people that are reacting to everything. Many of you may be dealing with mast cell activation or histamine intolerance. These are conditions considered to be part of the TH2 dominant side of, of the equation. And then many of us are also stuck in fight flight. So we're in a pickle here and we've, many of you have been dealing with this for a long time. Years and years and years and you've been to multiple doctors and have not been able to find resolution for your problems. So we're going to be working at uh, helping to understand a little bit more. I want to clarify one more thing though before we go forward. Just distinguish between acute illness and chronic illness. Now most of us in our lifetime have had at least one or two acute illnesses, right? We might have strep or we might have had the cold or maybe somebody recently has had COVID, right? Uh, so this is something that comes on usually pretty quickly. We have symptoms that, that flare up, maybe fever, maybe aches, chills. Uh, these are all things that come on pretty rapidly and most of the time uh, go away pretty quickly, usually one to two weeks, right? With treatment, sometimes without treatment. Well, think about this for a second with this acute illness. How do we know the problem is gone? Generally, we have no symptoms, right? And we've been trained since birth that we are sick when we have symptoms and we're healthy when we don't have symptoms, right? Well, the reality is our body is always dealing with infections all the time. And whether or not we have a symptom will, will cue us into whether or not we have an illness, right? So 
it's when we get rid of the infection or when we get rid of the symptoms, did we really get rid of the infection? Well, we don't know that, but I suspect that we mainly contain the bug, right? We've gotten strep under control, so that's no longer creating a problem, right? The same goes for chronic illness. So chronic obviously is something that's gone on for more than six months. Most it's been years and years and years. And these have been these unrelenting symptoms. Well, the key here is that Th1, the Th1 part of your immune system, which I'm about to define here in a second, these are, uh, this is a crucial component of whether or not we overcome illnesses on a regular basis. You all know people that have uh, gotten sick with every single bug that's come along and you have some that have never gotten sick or they, they don't ever appear to be sick. Well, it's just that their body has a better strategy of dealing with those bugs better than the other person. So if you have difficulty in overcoming chronic illnesses, you're gonna have a problem with your Th1 and you're likely shifted over to Th2 dominance. So let me explain what this is, all right? So Th1, Th2, these are thymus helper cells, and the thymus is part of our immune system. Before they become Th1, they are THO, and this is kind of a progenitor cell or a, uh, a na naive cell. And so it can actually distinguish almost like a stem cell. It can distinguish into either Th1 or Th2. Well, your Th1 is part of your innate immunity. This is what we call the cellular mediated immunity. It's happening within the cell. This is where the viruses set up shop. Uh, they will go into the cell, they will start to, uh, to steal some of the resources from the cell and start re replicating themselves. Same thing with the bacteria. On the other side of this is Th2. This Th2 is the humoral immunity, also uh, known as adaptive. So this is what we have to learn, right? It's called humoral because it's part in the blood. So humor is the blood, right? So these things are happening within the blood, whereas the other things are actually happening within the cell. So once the virus or bacteria replicate, they start to spread via the bloodstream and then starts attacking other parts of the body. You start having these more systemic symptoms. So the reason we have symptoms here is because of the cytokine responses. And we're gonna go through some of the cytokines here that are uh, related to TH1 and those that are related to TH2. But it is the cytokines that actually creates the symptoms. These are the things that uh, make us feel what we feel. And you've probably heard of some of this lately when you've heard about COVID. They've talked about the cytokine storm. That's basically a ramping up of these cytokines that's created a lot of these different symptoms people are dealing with. A good analogy of this was already uh, talked about by Dr. Frank Schallenberg. So I'm gonna copy it, uh, what he talked about, because I think it's brilliant. And to help you understand the difference between this TH1, TH2. So if we were going to war, let's say we were attacked by one of our bordering uh, countries, and they started shooting missiles in our way. Now I know it's hard to believe that Canada has got that many missiles, but they probably do, right? But uh, let's say they start shooting missiles at us and we just happen to be on the council that's advising the president, right? If uh, we're advising them, our first strategy obviously is we have to defend against that. We have to shoot up anti-missiles. And so we're gonna start doing that. Well, what happens if this country has actually been working on this for a while? They've been planning this war for a while. They've produced many, many missiles, more than we actually have anti-missiles. So then we, be, we get into a, a situation where we can't defend against those, right? 
So our next strategy is going to be, hey, we've got to take out those missile launchers and we've got to take out those factories that are producing all these missiles because they're putting out more than we can actually defend against. So TH1 is actually taking out the factories. So we're going to go and we're going to blow up those factories, we're going to blow up the launchers, and then we're going to win the war that way. All right. The important thing here to note is, is that we need both of these and we really need them kind of in a balance. And this is what we're going to try to do is shift back away from either a TH1 dominance or a TH2 dominance back to this balance where we're using both parts of the immune system. So this balancing the scale is important. And this again is this, this theory that is still out there and they have not completely uh, solidified the theory. But when one is dominant, it actually sends out cytokines to suppress the other. So if you're in a situation where you have TH1 dominant, which is really more ideal as long as it's not too far the other way, it's going to suppress some of the C or TH2 activity, cytokines, okay? Vice versa, if you have TH2 dominance, you're going to suppress the TH1. Well, this is where we find a lot of our patients. They're stuck over here in this dominance where their good innate immunity is actually not working like it's supposed to, and so they can't fight off these viruses and bacteria. So we're born with this innate immunity, we have a lot of this, and then the TH2 we're actually having to learn when we come into this world. And we have to kind of develop this, H, or this FBI list that has a list of, okay, these are all bad guys and we, we need to make antibodies against them. If we have this imbalance, then we have a good working system. So what are some of the TH1 dominant illnesses? Some of these you've heard of multiple sclerosis, ALS, Hashimoto's, this would be that autoimmune thyroiditis. Also things like uh, irritable bowel syndrome, type one, these are gonna be all of your autoimmune conditions. And there are also autoimmune conditions on the TH2 side, but these are the ones that are, are more prominent for the TH1. So this is where the body has attacked itself. It's, it doesn't understand that this is healthy tissue. When you're in the womb, your body is making a catalog of everything that is considered self and everything that is non-self. So everything is self where it's like, don't attack this. Everything is non-self is considered to be an antigen. So it will attack those, right? So when it starts getting confused as to, to what is self and what is not self, it starts attacking itself. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done on that side, but we're going to focus more on the TH2 dominant side in this lecture. When we think of TH2, we're looking at histamine intolerance, mast cell activation, chronic fungal infections, viral infections, bacterial infections, and things like atopic dermatitis and other skin conditions. These are things where there's a lot of release of cytokines, a lot of histamine being released. We're gonna talk about how mast cells get activated here in a second and how they release lots of histamine creating a lot of this heat and inflammation. There are other factors that affect the shift as well. And so we talk about this dominance more as a, as a shift one way or the other. In this case, we're talking about a shift to TH2. So one of the main ones here is understanding what is happening with the body. There's these two competing theories, the germ theory and the train theory. So Lister, maybe you know some of him, Dr. Lister was the one that came up with the antiseptic idea. He had this crazy idea about uh, telling these surgeons that would go right from surgery uh, without washing their hands, going right into the delivery room and delivering babies. Now, everybody in here would say that's foolish, right? Why wouldn't you wash your hands? You're probably going to kill these babies, kill these mothers. Well, 
for a long time, he had to actually convince these doctors that this was a good idea. And obviously he did, and he saved thousands and thousands of babies and moms. But he went on to think that the problem was the germ. Whereas Bechamp, uh, a French uh, scientist back in the 1800s, he believed that it was the terrain. And he said the, the bacteria is attracted to diseased tissue, not the, the cause of diseased tissue. So there's this debate going back and forth continually. Now, uh, we believe that it's a combination of germ, uh, understanding that the, the germ is a threat, and then also understanding that the, the terrain is a problem as well. So by balancing both of those, going after microbes, supporting the body, then we have the best chance of uh, helping the body return. Another concept you have to understand is a mental concept of are, are you a victim or are you a champion? Many people, especially if they've been beat down again and again and again, they get this concept that I'm just a victim, I can't do anything, my body is just broke, I have no way to overcome these problems. And there are others that are champions and they say, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to fight this thing and I'm going to win. And they, they, they keep going until they overcome this problem. Some other major things that may play a factor are oxidation, free radical damage will create damage to tissues that leads to more oxidation in the body. This is going to shift you away from Th1 and more towards Th2. A big one is also mercury exposure. Now, we get mercury exposure in many ways, um, in the fish that we eat sometimes, in the vaccinations we get, but this mercury, uh, this mercury exposure will actually decrease your glutathione uh, production and then making you susceptible more to this TH2 dominance. It is also one of the, the trails that leads up to a problem with mast cell activation. We mentioned glutathione already. Well, glutathione is a huge component of helping you to detox, but also helping with your immune system. And so if, if your glutathione is low, and many of these studies show that low glutathione is equivalent to um, elevated interleukin-4, which is one of the cytokines for Th2, um, thus um, think, making them think that the, this is shifting them over to Th2. Other things like sleep deprivation. If you're not able to get sleep, this is a, a crucial component. Mom always used to say, you've got to get more sleep, right? Um, it's going to help you overcome illness. Well, we know that that creates a shift also over to Th2. And other stressors, even things that we think are good for us, like exercise, if we're doing too much exercise, or if we're doing too much calorie restriction, that puts a, an unhealthy stress on our body. So we have to look at stressors and those things that are, are contributing to the problem. So a little side note here, chronic fatigue was also studied with this, with this Th1, Th2 balance problem. Now, natural killer cells are part of the Th1 system. And when those are low, they found that those people with chronic fatigue syndrome which I don't know that anybody in this room has this, but if they did, this would be something we want to look at, right? When those are low, they saw an increase in the frequency of chronic fatigue. So having these low natural killer cells puts you susceptible to shifting over into Th2. Some four main things that are really involved with the uh, Th2 shift or Th2 uh, dominance. Um, are these here, the petrochemicals, uh, which is very pervasive in our environment anymore. Um, in the last 50 years, there's been over 80,000 chemicals that have been introduced to our environment. 
So this is a, a direct threat on all of us, healthy or non-healthy. We have to be able to detox. We have to find a way to get rid of these uh, chemicals that are affecting our body. Parasites are another thing, and microbes. Now, parasites will deplete your glutathione status as well. They will wreak havoc in your gut, and they create a shift in your immune system as well. We also know that para uh, microbes like Bartonella, um, Borrelia, these will actually shut down or, or shift you over to Th2 in order to steal some of your resources. These guys are kind of parasites on their own. They come into the cell, they start to sh sh make some shifts in the cell so they can steal these resources and start replicating. That's their whole goal. So we need to kill the bug, but then we need to shift the body back so that we're not susceptible to more of those bugs. Now vaccinations is an interesting one because the vaccination concept makes a lot of sense. If you, if you look at vaccinations, the goal was, since we come into this world with hardly any TH2, the goal is to give it a little bit of the dose of the bad guy so that it can record that and build antibodies against it. So then when it does get exposed to it later on, it can actually overcome that, that virus or that bacteria before it overcomes us. You see, the reason that we have this damage that happens from this bacteria is because it's able to populate faster than we can actually build antibodies. And so by giving this small vaccine, the concept really kind of makes sense that you'll, you'll learn and you'll learn that these are bad guys and you already build these antibodies. Well, that's great when you maybe had five or 10 when, when I was young, right? So that puts me up a little bit. But, but nowadays it's 38 before the age of five. Do you realize that the whole reason that these vaccines work is because they cause an injury to the uh, immune system. They cause an insult. They'll use aluminum adjuvenates, they'll use mercury. Uh, the mercury is more for storage, but the aluminum adjuvenate is to create an immune response so that they can start making antibodies. Again, on a small dose, maybe not so bad, but why do we need 38? So there's, there's the problem with the vaccinations. Now, we've already mentioned stressors. Uh, most of us have at least one or two things that are stressing our systems. We have toxins that are stressing our systems. We have emotional stress, uh, work stress. All of these things are wrecking havoc on our body and our body's inability to deal with that is what puts us at risk. And in particular, cortisol and excess will actually also suppress glutathione and suppress the immune system. So if you wanna find out more about where you're at on TH1, TH2 scale. There are some tests that are available. I don't know the cost, but some of the cytokine testing for, inter, uh, for TH1 are gonna be interleukin-12, interleukin-2, also NK killer cells, and the uh, interferon, a gamma, would be another one that would help you to see how strong that part of the immune system is. Now, on the other side, your cytokines, uh, interleukin-4, 5, 10 and, and 6 it looks like, uh, just pick a number, just kidding. Uh, all of those are going to be uh, ones that will help you to determine. So if they are in elevated numbers beyond the ranges, you can suspect that there's probably a problem with that system and you're, you're, you're dealing more with a TH2 dominance. Your interleukin-12 is your primary growth uh, cytokine for TH1 and then your 4 is the, for the TH2. So what are some strategies for dealing with this TH2 dominance? How can we bring this back to balance? What can we do to actually help this situation?
And one of the reasons why this is still a theory is because they've been trying to find a drug that's actually going to shift you back out of Th2 or shift you back out of Th1. And they have not found one. And I believe part of that is because our, our body is way too complex for that. And so for us to say, we've got a specific antimicrobial here, or we, we have a specific detox thing that's gonna help you, is gonna be just as foolish. The important thing is we look at things that are already beneficial for the immune system. So let's go through a few of those. DHEA, we already mentioned cortisol. And many of you may know about the pregnenolone steel, how when we have a lot of stress, we're using up a lot of our hormones to make cortisol, right? Well, DHEA often gets drained because it's on the other side of that. And that's what goes into progesterone, estrogen, testosterone. So when those are low, it's probably because we have a, a lot of stress and we're using up a lot of that potential pregnenolone into uh, and converting it into cortisol. Well, DHEA allows you to kind of buffer that. So it's gonna give you a little bit more support in that way. So it's been shown to actually help there. Selenium is probably one of the most important things that you can do. In fact, as it relates to um, some of these viruses that might be running around, this might be good at helping to balance things and support the immune system. So this enhances Th1 activity and suppresses Th2 activity. And by doing this, it actually helps to improve antiviral, antifungal, and antibacterial treatments. Other things like astragalus and mushrooms, the beta-glucans in there help to improve Th1 activity as well. Uh, melatonin, we most think of melatonin as a uh, sleep aid, and this, this is actually probably one of the most powerful antioxidants. The problem with melatonin is some people can't take it during the day. We're trying to see who can take it, who can't take it, but those that get really groggy on melatonin, it's not gonna be beneficial for you to take that during the day, unless you can take it with coffee or something else. But this melatonin works really well at that whole oxidation part that we talked about. But it also helps to uh, improve the glutathione status. So you can kind of see a trend here. Glutathione is important, right? And what have we found common with mast cell activation and people with histamine intolerance? They have a problem with making glutathione, right? So we're gonna look at, at strategies to help improve that. Well, we've talked about reducing stress as another thing. We've got to take some time to meditate. We've got to take time to walk. We've got to take time to fix relationships. This is a global strategy that we have to do in order to fix this problem. And cortisol has already been mentioned. When that is elevated, that's going to wreck this whole pathway. Last one would be, uh, the last two would be alpha lipoic acid and probiotics. Alpha lipoic acid is beneficial in helping that whole glutathione pathway. In fact, it helps to replenish glutathione. And then your probiotics actually works with another part of a thymus helper, TH3, which I won't get into, but this helps with the gut and it also helps with uh, oxidation and helps with a lot of other things. Finally, I wanna just kind of bring a quote back from some of the research that I looked at. And this is from the uh, kid Par or Paris kid uh, she talked about this Th1, Th2 balance hypothesis. But the, the concept I want you to walk away from here is that, is what she says here, is that the healthiest immune system state could be one poised more or less equally between cellular immunity or approximating Th1 and humoral immunity. So this balance, and almost like maybe a 55-45 or 60-40 balance. We wanna have both of them. 
But if you're dealing with a lot of this hypersensitivity, we need to kind of bring that back down into balance. If you're dealing with more of the autoimmune problem, we need to bring that back into balance. So it's all about balance. Now, how do we find a balance here with our biologic system? This is what we do all day long. We take people that have been through the mill with all different types of doctors, and we run them through a really good system that helps to bring balance to, to their body. How do we do that? Well, we do that through improving communication flow. We want to make sure that the nervous system is established and communicating well. We want to make sure that the endocrine system is working well and there's good feedback going to the, the, the hypothalamus. We also want to make sure that they're eating well, they have positive thoughts, so we spend time on uh, understanding what traumas that they're dealing with. We spend some time on their diet, helping them understand what's going to benefit there. We want them to have a healthy circuit system. We've talked about circuit therapy before. Uh, Dr. Hart's mentioned that before. This is how all the circuits work in the body. We want to make sure those are all communicating well, they're all turned on, they're all flowing well. We also want to have good neurofeedback, so we have therapies that help us with that. And then, of course, we've mentioned already healthy detox. We want to have a, a great detox program that's going to help your body to process. Many of you may know that um, if you have mold or if you have uh, Bartonella sometimes, they will actually shut down some of those detox pathways, like your NRF2 pathways and the MRP2 uh, transports. So by opening those back up, we allow you to be able to detox and get some of those things that may be triggering some of these responses. We also want to have healthy digestion and assimilation. It's important that we break things down, so we want to make sure you're getting the enzyme support you need. But it's also important that you assimilate. Assimilate is, means it gets up to the cell. It actually gets absorbed by the cell and you get the benefit. So you could be eating all day long and your body doesn't get the benefit from that food. right? You don't get the energy resources, nor do you get the minerals and vitamins that you need from that food. And lastly, we want to have healthy electromagnetic flow so that everything is working in balance. With that, well, I will take some time for questions. There's some references there at the end. And I want to thank you for coming out. <clears throat> Questions? Yes. You mentioned melatonin. Was that just in respect of taking that during the daytime, or is that? No, if you can take it at night, it will also help with that serotonin pathway, but then it will also help as an antioxidant as well. So that's an interesting thing. There's been quite a bit of study. I've been doing some research on that. Used to think, you know, if they used to think of it like a, a hormone, which it is considered a hormone, but they used to think that if you take it too often, then your body's going to stop making it. Well, the, the one of the more renowned researchers been studying this melatonin is basically saying it does renew itself whether you take it or not. Uh, and so, and he even recommends a higher dose of melatonin. So uh, what you wanna do is kind of play around with it. Obviously talk to your doctor, but the, the idea of even, uh, he, he suggests that you could even go all the way up to a, uh, a, gram, a milligram per pound of body weight, which is a significant amount. But we, you know, we're stuck over here in the three milligrams to 10 milligrams and thinking I'm taking a bunch, but Maybe we explore with the idea, especially if you're not one of those people that is, it's more, you know, creates the, the grogginess, 
uh, maybe we explore more of that idea of, of increasing that uh, so that you can get more benefit from that. So. Yes. Right. Right. As far as the, you as mean as how much? Okay. It, I don't know that that really matters. It's okay. it's really more the amount that you're having per day, okay. and so if you are. Um, if you're having, if you've had some benefits and you feel like it's it's waned a little bit, maybe you increase that a little bit. Obviously, you want to work with your doctor there and see, you know, what they recommend. But the uh, the idea is to kind of bring that up and and not be afraid of it. I mean, I used to be afraid of it because it was like I don't want to, I don't want my body to not make that anymore. Yeah. You know? So, but now that I kind of understood more of that research, it makes more sense that that your body can take more of it. So, good questions. Yes. Uh, So it doesn't counteract it, it just provides you a little bit more benefit. So DHEA kind of has a calming, um, whereas high cortisol is going to create a little bit of more anxiety, but the, the DHEA is just kind of providing a buffer that, so that your body has enough cortisol and it also has enough here to make all these other hormones and also have this calming effect. So, Other questions? Yes. Um, Dr. Schallenberger is big in ozone therapy. I don't mm -hmm. know if you guys have ever looked yep. into that. Yes. I, I think that's a, a really good tool. In fact, uh, we've recommended that for several of our patients. But, uh, yeah, he talks about um, the idea of even, you know, people that have sensitivities. You, you take a drop of blood and a little bit of urine, you ozonate it, and then you re-inject that back in, and that works kind of as a really good tool to kind of go against um, a lot of the allergies. So. Yes, I believe that is helpful. We have people have had cavitations that have done ozone, you know, injected ozone, and it's gotten rid of the bacteria. There's actually pills now that are, are, are ozonated. I think it's olive oil pills that you take, and then it gets into your system that way. So it's definitely a strategy that we, um, we don't do here, but we definitely appreciate and uh, recommend a lot of times. So. Other questions? Question? What about um, modulators? Like, I did a new modulator. Do you know what kind they were? Because it depends um, on where, which alpha, side that's on. So those are going to work more uh, at helping to bring that TH2 down, but okay. but it, they, it is it is a buffer basically of the immune system to try to help to uh, compensate. So. Yeah, so IL-4 was talked about in some of the research as well yeah. for that. So. Okay, so that's good? Like yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Can you see more of a comment or a statement to what you said about your attitude as you are going to overcome this or all on this chronic fail? Three years ago this month, we found biologics. And three years ago this month, my daughter was in a wheelchair, coughing with blood, going paralyzed, and quit breathing. And last night, she tested for her blue for some that's awesome. That's what I'm talking about right there. Just overcome, overcome. Be an overcomer.
don't, don't, don't succumb to this. I know it's, it's easy to want to do that, but um, you've got to keep fighting and never give up. So, any final questions? Yeah, you mentioned, oh. sorry. Good. you just mentioned, you know, the, I guess, that, was it vaccines can cause which dominance? So it can shift you into teach too. Two. Yeah. Okay. An, an excess amount. So I, I, like I said, I think the strategy itself makes sense. Um, I don't, you know, obviously agree with, with doing all that they do, but definitely all of that insult. And so especially like, um, they're basically doing a bunch of them all together. And so it's just, it's too much for the body. We would never in nature actually be exposed to that many illnesses. We'd ex be exposed one at a time, but we're exposing the body to 10 and 15 in, in a span of maybe a month. And that's way more than our body can handle. So it, that's, the, that's the part I have a problem with. And I, I wonder what the motivation is behind it, not to get into too much theory. But. So what they're saying about the COVID vaccine mm -hmm. is they're expecting a huge amount of autoimmune illnesses. To There's a lot, out, yeah. Which the autoimmune illnesses. That could be either one. It could be, it could be in TH1 or TH2, it just depends, okay. yeah. Yes, there's, there's a lot coming out on that. We're trying to stay up on that as far as research and things. So, one more question. Before I spoke, before I mentioned yeah. apologize for coming in late. That's Sorry, okay. I missed your first couple minutes. Um, I'm looking for, I'm familiar with the LabCorp cytokine panel that you mm -hmm. mentioned here to study that. Is that the test that you use? Yes, here? so we, we are able to find that with LabCorp. There's another one I was just listening to, a podcast on the way in, um, Diagnostics. At, I'll have to get the name of that. I can't remember right now, but there was a, an actual panel that had all of the cytokines on it. But uh, I was able to find majority of these on LabCorp as well. And you find that those are just sufficient enough without going too deep? Do the others? Uh, we're just kind of starting to explore that concept, so I couldn't really answer that question very well. Um, but I do think it's a strategy that we, we want to understand, especially, again, I think the, the, driv, the drive behind this is that we have lots of people that are stuck way over here in TH2, and we're trying to figure out, we've given them antimicrobials, we've given them the phage therapies, we've done all these things, and they're still struggling. Some of them can't even take some of the treatments because uh, you know they can only take a drop of the treatment. So we're trying to figure out strategies to really kind of bring back balance so that then they can actually take the therapies that we're giving them. So, so that's, it's, we're just starting to explore that. So. All right, well, thank you guys for coming out. Have a great day. To access more information and resources from this episode and previous Biologic podcasts, or to learn how Biologic Center for Optimum Health's all-inclusive treatment program helps those with chronic illness, visit our website at biologicscenter.com.